Holland. Hey! And today we're discussing Season 4, Episode 10, Lost Boys. In this episode, Trinity goes quad, Cody throws down for Dexter, and Christine gets the interview with Deb and gets some quality time at Miami Metro. What did you guys think of this episode overall? In freaking tense. Such a good episode. I really liked this episode. You know, this episode, whew, like, you you watch this last one, you come into this one, and, you, and you're thinking, well, you know, it's it can't possibly get darker, and then all of a sudden, it does. Uh, it was intense. Yeah. Agreed. I think that uh, I still wasn't quite sure where they were going with knowing that there was still a couple of episodes left in the season, and so to sort of, like, you know, you're like, I don't think they're there yet, but uh, what they did with this episode really kept me uh, in tune with what was happening overall for the plot and the story and everything. So it was, yeah, very intense. And we really realized, I mean, we've already known, of course, obviously, that Arthur is bad, but really all bets are off. He's about as bad as they get. And this mm-hmm. is when you really stop having any sense of safety or limit to what he's capable of. Yeah, every time you think that you've found the limit, there's another level of of craziness with him. Like, oh yeah, him just like walking into the the house where he grew up with those like Asian people that were like, "What are you doing here?" That was like one level of crazy, and then we had the Thanksgiving level of crazy, and now we have this episode. So, and the dancing crazy. Yes, his little van dance. <laughs> Um, Dexter and Rita are in the doctor's office getting Harrison booster shots. The baby hates it. Dexter has moved his tools into a shipping container rather than the backyard shed. Dexter plans to nab Trinity at church, but Trinity keeps driving. Trinity sees a family go into a fairground. He memorizes the names on the back of the van. Dexter, in his killing garb, watches Trinity watch the little boy and that family. Trinity finds Scott, the boy, and shows him a police badge. He tells him that his parents have been in an accident and they need to go to them. When the kid asks about his sister, Trinity says that his partner has her in their patrol car. Uh, Dexter finally catches up to them in the parking lot. He yells Arthur's name and Arthur slash Trinity gets the kid into the van and speeds off. Trinity calls Dexter and says he doesn't appreciate being followed. He tells him he'll protect the boy's innocence but warns him against calling the police. Otherwise, the boy will pay the price. I'm getting just queasy even reliving this episode. Like, I'm just getting so tense, and I feel like I kind of want to puke just reliving the tension of this episode. Just, oh, awful. Yeah. So I I will say that um, I did find it a little jarring to not uh, address the cliffhanger right away Mm -hmm. uh, from from the previous episode, but I, I was okay with it because I think that, like, they didn't necessarily need to bog us down with all of that exposition of, of why that was. Because we'll get it eventually when they want us to have it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought this was a really good way of, of, of going a different direction, but still keeping it very tense and very interesting. Yeah. Because um, they don't have much... I mean, Christine has, has scenes in this episode, but it's not like a, a massive amount of stuff that's going on. Just we as the audience know a little bit earlier than other people on the show that she and Arthur Mitchell are related. Um, I think it's... And a, I really... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really like the whole, um, like, the hunter is being hunted situation. 
um, and the way that they were like filming that and showing that per- the, the different perspectives, the point of views between Arthur and Dexter and the family and everything. Um, it was just like it, it was a, a it was yeah, yeah incredible because you're you're like I don't know what why why is this happening and, and you're just you just you don't care you're in it. Yeah, I thought it was a good choice for them to not have Dexter be completely uh, unseen uh, throughout this. Like most of the time, they wait to spring Dexter on someone at the last minute and that's how he usually gets the upper hand but here like he not only gets away uh he not only loses arthur mitchell but mitchell sees him and calls him and says i don't like being followed and so like they they know about what the other is doing yeah because at that point i was like screaming at the tv dexter just call the police save the kid don't make this about you i'm then then arthur says if you call the police because i was like come on yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what was it? There was something earlier in the season where I said that Dexter screwed up and that uh, he could have. Oh, with the with the traffic stop uh, mm-hmm. by not letting them swab Trinity. Mm-hmm. Dexter, Dexter broke his own rule because the, the police would have been able to catch Trinity if he had done that. Right. Negating yep. his need to, to kill him. So, um, yeah. Dexter not killing him is... It's going to be a problem. Uh, so, Dexter goes to <laughs> Trinity's house to try and enlist Jonah's help. He asks him to go through Trinity's desk, computer, etc. to stop the sins of the father. Uh, the kid wakes up to Trinity setting a train set. Trinity calls him Arthur. The kid's name is Scott. Trinity's real name is Arthur, of course. Uh, Dexter realizes that Trinity has been killing in fours, not threes. He's killing a symbol of himself, an innocent ten-year-old. Dexter enlists a uniformed officer to help locate Trinity's van by the plate number. And, uh... Trinity's van by the plate number. Another another one of those uh, Miami Metro things that they they help each other out with, where it's just like, hey, I need to borrow uh, a stun gun for the weekend, <laughs> or hey, can you run some plates? You know, oh, the, and the story he comes up with too, like I smashed some guy's windshield, or yeah, you know, yeah I want to, I just want to be a good guy, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is stupid. I dropped like, all yeah. that M ninety nine you guys gave me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Masuka tells Deb that. He needs to talk to Dexter. He saw something he wished he hadn't at Thanksgiving. Deb drags Dexter into a briefing about the Trinity Killer. He does his best to crap on her ideas to move things along faster. Christine shows up at Miami Metro to interview Deb. She sends her to an interview room and asks Angel to watch. She thinks Christine knows something about who killed Lundy. Trinity has a battle of wills with Scott, little boy. Trinity insists that he put on pajamas before they get food. Trinity hands him a train scene figurine of a couple. He says, father drinks and mother pays the price. Just trying to protect you, Arthur. The kid says, my name's not Arthur, it's Scott. Trinity leaves. The room they are in is in some kind of underground shelter. Yeah, the way he, I want to say, toys with this little boy is just psychotic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're getting these new levels 
of the of Arthur, you know, and I don't know if he's called the Trinity Killer, but now we know he's not. It's not a three; it's a four, which I think is also interesting as well. That there's been this massive uh, dossier on this guy from Lundy and all these people, you know, like a couple of people I'm assuming, but still these killings, and they don't even have it all right. I mean, that's so it, in depth. It, it was really interesting to watch this unfold and be like, I did not think this was going to happen. Well, the reason Lundy never picked up on it is because the kids just went missing. They weren't found mm-hmm. murdered. So, like, it would have been hard for them to put it together. And you know Miami Metro wasn't going to. But this episode, the, the scenes with... Uh, Trinity and the kid they're so tense because you you know from the previous episode that just the slightest thing can send Arthur off and and this kid is obviously being incredibly combative so you're just waiting for Arthur to snap yeah well something this season succeeds in that I think the other ones didn't come close to is we're watching a show about a serial killer who kills bad guys no other season has succeeded as well as this one at making you feel really uncomfortable it should be uncomfortable to watch a show about serial killer who kills killers Um, and this season actually nails that feeling we really should be feeling this tension all along in a show with this story um but it's really just this season's the only one where you just feel disgusted and sick and your stomach churns and you're tense and it just gives you a general icky, icky feeling like it really should. Which is why this is universally considered, I would say universally, the best season. This is what we should have all along. Yeah, it's definitely the best writing. Um, it has the best, you know, the best villain, the best season-long show, uh season long story of all of them and yeah just all the layers of of trinity um are amazing the amount of stuff they put into him like it feels like they uh it feels like they really just went all out on that character where in another series in another season or something like that this would be three different killers that dexter's dealing with um, or they'd spread it out and it would be three seasons of Dexter instead of one season with one very complicated uh, character. Yeah, the Trinity Killer to be, when you said layers, just like, uh, it's like Shrek, right? He's like cake or He's onions? An onion. <laughs> He's an onion. <laughs> yeah, Trinity's an onion. <laughs> He's like some kind of 27-layer dip. <laughs> That's my joke. <laughs> Uh, Dexter goes to Scott's parents' house to see what information they have. He takes some flyers and promises to help get their son back. Deb shows Christine some pictures of Lundy dead at the crime scene. Christine gets uncomfortable and says she has enough background info to write the story. Uh, Deb asks her how Christine likes her apartment. She pushes the point. The apartment is an hour away from where Lundy was shot. Deb says, you sure got to the crime scene fast. Deb says she dispatch didn't call until 5.05 and that Christine was there at 5.20, the first reporter to make it to the scene. Christine makes up some bullshit about being in the area to work out. Angel watching calls bullshit. Angel and, Jeb, uh, Angel and Deb agree to keep what they know from Quinn for the time being. 
Yeah, that, that's really some uh, solid detective work there. You know, she's finally putting all the pieces together. But uh, it, it's it's really interesting to watch the interview process happen. And I think it's it's good, you know, to have Angel watching it too, just so she has other eyes on it. But, man, to see Christine sort of start to break down yeah. and just squirm. And you're like, she's because she's not, not that she's had an upper hand all season, but she's just sort of been like a, a, a fly and just kind of around and buzzing around and things. And now we finally see her almost, you know, in getting into the trap and, and losing. I, what I think is funny about it in retrospect is that um, Quinn's a bit interested in her because she's having a relationship with Quinn. Uh, Deb just hates her from the beginning and wants nothing to do with her. And yet she's who she's looking for the whole time. Like this woman that you keep pushing away and trying to have nothing to do with is actually who you're after. She's actually the person that killed Lundy. Yeah. So, uh, Dexter looks at the next build site, but doesn't find them. Jonah searches Mitchell's computer and comes up with a list of real estate for sale. Kyle tells him to fax them to him, not wanting to give away Dexter's email addresses. Uh, Cody gets into a fight with a kid who claims that Dexter left young sailors in the middle of the night because Dexter was scared. Rita helps break up the fight. Christine calls Mitchell and asks him to make an exception and see her earlier than their usual couple times a year. Mitchell declines and hangs up. Christine begins to cry and says, I think I'm in trouble, Dad. Mitchell shows up to the shelter with burgers and tells Scott that he can have some if he puts his pajamas on. Scott relents and pulls them on over his clothes. Dexter's house checking is interrupted by a call from Rita. Harrison has a fever and she wants him to come home soon. He stops at one last house and finds a boy in a basement, but there's also a woman there with a smaller boy and they step out and they're squatters. Dexter leaves them alone. Yeah, housing crisis hit people really hard. So, you know, you gotta find a place to stay. This was, oh, yeah, this was during the housing crisis. <laughs> yeah. I had to think about I that just... for a minute. It's like, yeah, it would have been. Right around that time. Uh, Dexter returns home. Bria says that Paul's parents want to take the kids to Disney, uh, which Paul's parents have never been mentioned before on the show. Uh, Angel and Deb are at Deb's apartment talking through the shooting. Deb figures out that Christine was the same height as her shooter. Deb goes to Quinn to fill him in. She gets Christine's toothbrush and takes it to Masuka to run DNA. LaGuerta calls Dexter and tells him he'd better hurry on the blood report he promised. He's still searching houses. Quinn asks Christine a couple of questions about Christmas and her family. Christine gets pissy and leaves. She tries to talk to her dad again and leaves a voicemail. Yeah, I didn't know if Quinn was going to go along with this, honestly. I was like, he got a little upset about it, but, you know, getting in with the toothbrush thing, it's like, at least he's... He's still back and forth on this, you know? He's flippy-floppy with the with the Christine situation. So, at least he got on board and he knows where his alliances lie. And I think that was a good move for him, because otherwise he might have gotten shot, you know? Who knows what else she's capable of. Well, I think, you know, I he doesn't want to... Like they've made they made a big deal in the last episode about how he didn't really want to commit to her. Mm-hmm. So like you're right, he's totally on the fence about her. It's like, well, I could sleep with her, or I could I could turn her into Deb, I guess. 
but I think <laughs> yeah. between Deb and Angel both wanting to see where they can go with it and uh, Quinn having you know access to her toothbrush and it not being something where they have to get a warrant to search his apartment or anything like that he can just give it in of his own free will makes it easier and then they can either rule her in or out so either way he's in, he's better off you know he's better off okay. knowing that she is or isn't um, uh, that's true is or year. isn't yeah mm-hmm. so um, Scott kicks Trinity's train over the last 45, Venus drops and Trinity sings along and then starts crying. Scott asks why he's so sad. He said that his sister Vera's favorite song was Venus and she died. Scott says that Trinity can call him Arthur and they can play with trains before Trinity takes him home. Trinity gives Scott some ice cream with some kind of drug in it. Dexter shows up at Miami Metro and gives LaGuardia the blood report. Patrol found Trinity's van parked at a diner. Harry C.I. From, early, from earlier in the season shows up to help Deb figure out who Deb is really looking for. But before they can talk, Ms. Sucre calls her over with the DNA results. Deb says she'll call the C.I. later. The DNA, results, the DNA results show that Christine is related to Trinity. You know, I, I wonder if a little therapy would have just helped out Arthur. If, if, if he would have just seen a therapist, and maybe he would have been okay. Not turned into such a monster. Because it seems like there's a lot of issues going on here that he's got held up inside that he's been uh, taking out for the last 30 years years or so, right? Yeah. You guys buy into that therapy? I think he maybe, though, <laughs> it had the monster ingrained. It was just kind of woken up by all this. I think you have to have a propensity for something like this more than just something crazy happening. Well, and they explain what happened between him and his dad. Um you know, and basically him not having any control over what happened to his sister and his mother and then him being responsible for his father's death. Um, I think that that pretty much set him on the, the course to insanity. But honestly, um, he dealt with it pretty well considering that, like, all but like a couple of days of the year, he's a totally normal guy on the outside. Like, only his family knows that he's batshit insane. Um, yeah. Oh, I just started watching the the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah. And uh, and it, I, I've got, like, halfway through the first episode, but it's still very interesting because there's a lot, I you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll learn more, but there there's a lot about how Ted was just the normalest kid ever. You know, like, you never expected it from him. He always seemed like he had it all put together and, like... You know, how is it possible that such a monster can live within someone um, and, and what things lead up to that? Like his Ted Bundy's parents weren't uh, mean to him or weren't abusive or any of that stuff. So like where where and I, I think you're absolutely right, Dale. We, we know it's from the family stuff here, but like uh, it's just it's a crazy to think about what is could be possibly inside of these these killers to make them do these things yeah um well ted bundy was a psychopath Um, yeah yeah, yeah. psychopaths are born um and so with him um in part he he lionized and made up a lot uh, he he made his past sound a lot better than it really was Mm -hmm. um there was abuse from his grandfather um his mother Mm -hmm. was his mother had him out of wedlock and 
was supposed to give him up for adoption, but the grandfather insisted they take care of him, and then the grandfather was an asshole to him. Um, no spoiler alert. But I, well, okay. Well, <laughs> no. You brought up Ted Bundy. <laughs> the the comprehensive story, Ted Bundy. <laughs> the confession tapes. I've I've watched all four of them. And I just started. The the first episode is really the only one that mentions his family in it. Right. It, it does get a little bit wrong. It says that his mother just kind of left, but she was actually uh, they she, she was a part of his life, but he grew up thinking that was his sister, his older sister, mm-hmm. um, which obviously led to even weirder feelings. Yeah. So. Sure. In the way that he, he his killings and things. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of him, of what he, a lot of the information on him came from him, especially about his early life, and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not very trustworthy. Um, but being a psychopath and not having empathy, like one of the things that he, one of the reasons why like later in life when he like joins the Mormon church and all that kind of stuff and he has all these friends that think he's just the greatest guy and all that, um, he talks about how his strategy was that um, he was totally introverted and didn't know how to deal with people, much the same way that Dexter doesn't know how to deal with people. And so yeah. Ted Bundy's strategy was to act like he was a uh, he was very superior and arrogant, um, and he would just carry himself like he couldn't be bothered to care about anybody around him. But then if they approached him, he would be really outgoing and nice and smile and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So that was sort of his yeah. thing, but. I I, I didn't know much. I've heard of him and and know what he did, but I never knew a lot about the case itself and whatnot. So it's it's fascinating. I'm really into serial things right now. He I'm he's all. the poster boy for serial yeah. killing. Um, he's he's definitely the one that brought it to the forefront. A lot of things that are used. Uh, a lot of things that we know about serial killers came from him. Well, and he was the he was the worst for a long time, and he actually helped the FBI catch the worst as of now. Which is a BTK, right? No, no BTK the Green, only no? killed like eight people. Yeah, the Green River Killer oh. up in oh, Washington. Oh, right, that one. Yeah, yeah, which they mention in the in the Dexter. Yes. Weirdly, uh, Lundy is supposedly was the mastermind behind solving that case. I'll have to get into that. Was just like no way. But uh, if you like those uh, those serial killer things and stuff, um, I I don't like them, but I find them fascinating. No, no, no. I I get it. (laughs) Uh, The one I just I watched was uh, uh, I I saw the whole Ted Bundy thing. Um, The one I just watched was uh, an innocent man. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. That was really good. Wow, yeah, that one's pretty. Have you ever well. have you ever watched the uh, the Iceman tapes? Uh, no, I heard of it though. There's three of them. There's the Iceman, the Iceman tapes, the Iceman speaks, and then uh, the Iceman and the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty intense. Wow. Well, that guy was a a hitman for the mob. Ooh. It's not quite the same thing as a serial killer, but yeah, a lot of killing. Yep. Sorry, to, we, I got us off the tracks. <laughs> it's all right. It is, it's all relevant. Yeah. Well, I, I needed to spoil the Ted Bundy tapes for you, so. 
I can't believe it. Like, I couldn't just Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) For secret information, you would only find out from watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Dexter is still house hunting. When he finds a house with a bomb shelter, he goes inside. The train is still there, but Trinity and Scott are gone. Trinity meets Christine in a parking garage. She tells him that she saw Trinity kill a woman in a bathtub when she was five. Christine realized it was real when it happened again in the same house 30 years later. Christine figured out that Mitchell had killed a woman in a bathtub in each city he sent her a postcard from. She said he that she protected him. Lundy was getting close, so she killed him. He thanks her and tells her that he'll come see her at her house later that night, and they'll figure out what to do. After she drives away, Mitchell pounds on the steering wheel. Stupid fucking cunt. No. Spawned that yeah. word. Yes. Yeah, that's, this is that point, I, like I was saying, where they fill us in finally with the cliffhanger, essentially. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you get all this information about her and what she, her intentions are, where she's come from. And so I think that's fascinating that, yeah, like he has this other family and she's thinking she's doing right by him. All these people feel like they're doing, he treats them like garbage, and yet they all feel like they're still doing right by trying to protect him. It's insane. That's abuse. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Dexter finds dust on the floor. He adds water to it and it begins to dry into cement. This is how Trinity has kept the bodies from being discovered. Uh, Trinity is about to drop the unconscious boy into the cement when Dexter walks up and stops him. They fight over a shovel while the boy falls into the wet cement. Dexter manages to knock Trinity out and pull the boy up. He's still alive. When he looks back to where Trinity was, he's gone. Um... And Christine gets a knock on her door and answers it saying, Daddy, but it's Miami Metro, Angel Quinn, Deb, and two uniforms to take her away. (laughs) Dexter gets home and snuggles on the couch with Rita. Rita says that they found the missing boy. Rita fucks up and mentions how quiet it is, and Harrison immediately starts crying. Dexter volunteers to go take care of him. He promises Harrison that no one will hurt him again, especially Dexter. That is the episode ending. Yeah, I love that that moment where, you know, he tries to get the drop on him. Dexter comes in and and he's like, he has two choices. He's like, he can get the bad guy or he can save the little boy. And I mean, again, another one of those moments where you watch it unfold and you're like, can he do both? Where's he going to go? Where does his, his, you know, morals lie? Um, I'm glad he did the right thing. Pulled that kid out of there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So... Now that we've gotten through it, just to nitpick a little bit, because this this never made sense to me. Um, after the Thanksgiving confrontation where Dexter nearly stabs Trinity to death on the kitchen floor, why does Trinity go and go after a boy to do his his thing if Kyle's out there knowing about what's going on with him. Like, why isn't Mitchell focused on getting rid of Kyle at this point? Compulsion? Yeah, I think compulsion. I I mean, is it because he has to follow so many days in his pattern? How does his pattern affect it? I don't... Well, I mean, he even even says it uh, to Dexter when, when Dexter shows up at the site. He's like, this is this is part of my process like don't interfere 
he has yeah, I, to do this. Yeah, I, I do get what Dale's saying, but like, why so soon after? Or like, what? what I don't what get. Cycle? I don't get why he leaves Kyle as a as unfinished business mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving. Like, even that same day, Mitchell should be like tearing after him in the car. Like, Mitchell shouldn't like let him leave the house. That kind of thing. Because um, he's abusive, so he could he could very well kill him too, and it wouldn't mean anything different. Because I guess the cycle is he's killing people specifically for the cycle or the reasons. But Dexter's sort of an outlier. Has he killed or hurt anyone outside of? I think his that's cat? it, Deb. I think that's it. Yeah. Is that he doesn't he doesn't just kill people because they're in the way. He has yeah. his own kind of code. He kills four people in a certain way, and that's it. That's what he does. And his pattern is driven by this guilt that he has and this feeling of responsibility. So, you know, wasn't there a scene at some point when he freaked out about hurting somebody, or did I dream that? It was a deer. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Mm. He so, didn't want to kill the deer. Yeah, so to him, you know, it's it's a compulsion. It's, his, it's what he has to do. It's his penance for what he did and how he caused the deaths of his family. So it would be so outside of his zone to do something like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And that also ties into something else with Ted Bundy that I won't spoil, so look for that. <laughs> um, this was directed by Keith Gordon. He did ten episodes across all eight seasons of Dexter. It was written by Tim Schlattman and uh, Charles H. Egley. Tim Schlattman wrote two episodes for all eight seasons, except his one for season five. Um, this was... I believe his second in season four. Charles H. Egley uh, worked on a bunch of Stephen Bochco stuff. He does production for Walking Dead these days, and he wrote and produced for seasons three and four. This was his final episode written for uh, Dexter. So what was your favorite line of the episode? I put a line where uh, Trinity's talking to the kid. It's just... It's so dripping with subtext when he says uh, promise me you'll uh, what, promise me you'll always stay that way when he's talking about the kid keeping his innocence mm-hmm. it's it, you just shudder when you hear it Ugh. I went with um, when Dexter's trying to get Jonah to help him he said there's a great big shit ugly world out there Jonah the bad stuff doesn't end at your doorstep yeah, it's a good one. Mine was uh, Dexter uh, saying uh, burying a child in cement is not very Christian. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's got that coffin. Why not use it? Am I right? <laughs> he donated that to a homeless guy. We, we talked right. about this. Uh, build another one. I mean, I'm sure we could watch him lathe for another 55 minutes. Well, and if he would just, if he would just cement the other three victims... Then Lundy would have never caught on to him, and he'd probably just go on unfound forever. Like, all those people would just be missing. Well, now we know from when we all become serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> useful information for all of us. Someday. So, uh, how about the worst line of the episode? I went with a line from Harry when they're looking for Scott, and he says, you always had a soft spot for kids. I'm like, 
Because he's trying to keep a kid from dying. I wouldn't call that a soft spot. Like, he just doesn't want a kid to die. That was kind of yeah to me. It's not a soft spot, really. Yeah, Harry's, like, always embarrassing in these <laughs> last couple of episodes. Like, every time he shows up and he's mm-hmm. just, like, there to, like, rag on Dexter for something or other, it's like, whatever, Harry, shut up. There's, like, more important <laughs> yeah. things going on. Yeah, like, in the last episode, he was such a dick, like, saying Dexter's going to turn out like Arthur. You know, you're going to do the same thing to your family. Now he's just like, oh, you got a soft spot. You don't like kids to be murdered brutally. I mean, just Yeah, pussy. Yeah. (laughs) 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 How about the uh, Chicky Hines memorial performance of the episode? I give it to Courtney Ford who plays Christine. I thought she did a fantastic job in this episode. Yeah, I did too, actually. Just to pull away from Lithgow as much as it should go to him for everything he does. Just, she hasn't gotten to do a lot, and then she got a lot more layers on this one. Yeah, I try to do that. I, uh... <laughs> I think yeah, oh, so. I see oh, what God, you did man. What a And on that note... <laughs> thanks for helping with the podcast, guys. Uh, thanks, everybody out there, for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Deeply Discussed.